Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Usually, I teach the word, but today your pastor is going to preach the word. So, I'm a preacher today, so the thoughts are not pretty organized as usually when I teach, but I believe the Lord will speak into into your heart. Uh, I'm going to give you good good news in the middle of the, the message. So, maybe you don't know that, but the most important thing, one of the most important things you should have upon your life is the blessings of God. Like you have to be known as a blessed person, as someone that has this seal upon your life, this crown of favor, this this fence of protection. You need to be known as someone that has the shield of the Lord guarding you, protecting you. You're supposed to be known as a person that is blessed as Abraham. And that actually what brought the title of this message, the title of my message today is Sons of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith, and his faith is an example for all those who want to prosper and succeed. So what about we bow our heads and pray for revelation that God is going to speak into our hearts, faith, so we can enter into the blessings of Abraham. Close your eyes. Father, fill this room. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. We allow you to speak in areas in our lives that no man can speak. Because when you speak, there is life giving. There is life shared. And we are built up. Our faith increases. It is amplified. And we can grow. We can advance. We can enter into the spiritual blessings that we are already blessed. I pray, Father, that all those truths come to pass upon our lives and families. I pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, let me explain this first. What is the blessings of Abraham? We know Abraham, he's the first patriarch of people of God, Israel. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 We read this, verse 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Remember that the real blessings of God always turn you a blessing. Say a good amen, everybody. Now, the, the blessing that is not associated into turning to a blessing, it is not a real blessing. Are you guys following what I'm trying to say? So God made a promise. And that was the only thing Abraham had. He had a promise. And the only thing he made to enter that promise was the work of faith. What is the work of faith? Believing. One of the most important things in life is to have this seal upon us. So God reaffirms these blessings upon Abraham over and over again. For example, Genesis 22, verse 17. I will surely bless you. 
And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, the, the way to enter this blessing is to be part of this offspring, this lineage, this legacy of blessed people. We're calling this series Legacy because you will leave a legacy of blessings. But first, you need to be blessed. Say amen, everybody. Amen. It's very important that you place yourself into this identity, into this profile as a blessed family, a blessed man of God, a blessed woman of God. You need to embrace this identity. Romans chapter 4, 13. For the promise to Abraham... And his offspring, raise your hand, see, here I am, Abraham's offspring, that he would be the, the heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Raise your hand again, say, here I am. You are the righteous by faith. You enter in the righteousness, in the good stand before God, in a legal place to be blessed by faith when you are righteous you have these legal rights to enjoy blessings many do not know these rights a famous story it actually happened uh, in the 19th century uh, in the church of Charles Spurgeon the priest of the preachers and he is visiting this very poor lady, you know, suffering all kinds of lacks and uh, depravity. He couldn't, she couldn't even supply to herself, like have the minimal basics for herself. And visiting her, he uh, charged Persian, uh, got uh, attention into this wall, uh, uh, kind of a, a picture, a portrait, but it was a document, almost like a diploma. And he stopped to read it and he wondered with the sister, sister, do you know what this document actually is? And she explained, no, like when my... Uh, boss, my uh, master, the, the woman that I served for years, she passed. She gave me this picture, this document. But since I don't know how to read legal terms, I actually don't know what this document is all about. And after years uh, having possession of this document, she just put it like a frame and holding the wall. But actually that was... The inheritance of that woman that has passed away. Thousands, millions of pounds. British pounds in a wall never enjoyed. I know how you feel right now. So annoyed. I say, oh my, this is not a nice story. But that's the problem of many that do not know their rights, their legal rights as offspring of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 9. So then... Those who are of faith, say, here I am. Come on, let me see your hand. Those of faith, you are of faith, are blessed, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Oh, that's deserve a shout of praise in this house because you are blessed. You see that your identity is already a blessed one. You are blessed with the blessings of Abraham. So we need to know and believe in order to enter this reality, to enter into these promises. All right, let's meet. Let me bring some of these blessings into your, into your lap, and let's see what the Lord will stir in your faith today. 
Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abram, later on called Abraham, after Lot. Lot is his nephew. Lot is just like this, thorn in the flesh. To not say, no kids in the room, pain in the, you got it. And he was just like annoying over Abraham's life. Just like dragging, you know. And actually, the name Lot means veil. Abraham could not see clear because of this dragging person that represents in Abraham's lot his old man, his old life. Abraham was trying to carry the old life with him, and that's why he could not see forward. Are guys with me? So when Lot, when the past was left in the past, had separated from Abraham... God spoke with Abraham and said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land that you see, I will give it to you and to your offspring forever. Number one, everything, I mean everything that you see, you will be able to have. Let me say this again. To have what you see. That's a blessing. So pay attention. It's not everything that really catches your attention. But there are some things that you're looking and it's catching your attention. And you want that thing. And I'm talking about that blessed marriage. That successful business. That healed body. That health that belongs to the children of God. But the question is what you are seeing. Are you just staring, fixing your eyes at defeat instead of victory? What are you seeing, healing or sickness? Or what you are fixing your eyes upon is failure or success? Restoration or no, my marriage is destined to divorce. Are you looking to your family and seeing a blessed family or a broken home? What you see is what you have. God said, lift it up your eyes, Abraham. Look and see, and I will give it to you. Come on, somebody. Say a good amen in this house. That's a blessing. That's a blessing that belongs to the offspring of Abraham. Number two, Genesis 14, 16. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman, Lot. Let me explain this. Lot was always bringing trouble to Abraham. Abraham got into a war because this nephew. And he prayed for this nephew a couple of times. And this time, he actually gets into a business, a battle, an argument, a fight that was not even Abraham's business for the sake of delivering this uh, kinsman, this nephew, Lot. And it's beautiful because the Bible says that because Abraham got into the battle... He conquered. He had victory. Lot did not fight anything. He was just delivered by Abraham's intervention with his possessions and the woman and the people. The promise upon us is that we will conquer everything you fight for. And some of you guys are praying for years already into this family field, this family trouble. Some of you guys are striving and working so hard for this business. You're really fighting to make it happen. Let me say something. You are blessed because you are part of Abraham's offspring. Amen. 
And what you fight for, you will conquer. It's not me saying this. Pay attention. Because you have the faith of Abraham. Because you follow the righteousness of faith like Abraham. Whatever you fight for, you will conquer. If it's not better enough, just pay attention in our master's words. Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, behold. And I love behold. Behold is so, such a biblical word, right? Behold. It's just almost like, check it out. Like, really focus right now. Come on, pay attention here. And Jesus says, I have given you authority to tread, to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And nothing shall hurt you. Amen. Whatever you're fighting for, you will conquer. Yes. We will conquer this generation of Southwest Florida. We we're going to conquer the next generation of Southwest Florida. We're going to conquer the old generation of Southwest Florida. We are a church of overcomers. Or more than conquerors. We are called to conquer all generations in Southwest Florida. Through life groups that multiply. Number three. These are just samples. Okay. This is just like small examples of the blessings of Abraham. Genesis 24 so he said, who said? Who, who is this he said? This is Abraham's employee. He is a servant of Abraham. Now pay attention on that. I don't know about you, but I never found a Burger King employee praising his boss. Burger King Company Incorporated. Like never saw any one behind a, a countertop uh, serving someone extremely joyful to be a servant, to be an employee of that B corporation or that specific Jeff Bezos corporation or no, whatever. Like, I'm not very glad on that identity. However, this man here, he's so content, he's so joyful, he's so proud to be Abraham's servant. That when he presents himself, he doesn't bring his name. He says, I am Abraham's servant. I'm going to tell you why I'm so proud of being Abraham's staff. Next verse. The Lord has greatly blessed my master. Oh, happy it is. You that have the opportunity to work for a man of God. To work for a woman of God. Someone that is greatly blessed. Blessed are you that has this man as your husband. This woman as your wife. That is greatly blessed. Blessed are you that has these greatly blessed parents. Blessed are you. And this servant says he is greatly blessed. God has greatly blessed my master. And God and because of that he became great. He has given him, God has given my master flocks, herds, silver and gold, male servants, female servants, camels and donkeys. Wow. And that, that's his identity. Number three, you'll be known as a greatly blessed person. That, that is the kind of seal upon your life. I'm telling you, whatever you do, wherever you go, you're going to have this seal. This quality brand, this quality, give me the expression, this quality inspection, 
Seal, I want another one. Certification. This quality certification. Okay? That has, this was made, this was performed, that was taught by, that was, uh, 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 the business of this is made by a greatly blessed person. Come on, somebody. Raise your hand if you wanted this blessing because I want this blessing. We are Abraham's offspring. And yes, Abraham was very rich. It's not me saying Genesis 13. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. We should never be ashamed for our financial blessings. We should never be awkward or feel condemned because we have a prosperous life. She never hide the blessings that the Lord has given us. And I know we live in such a generation that is so leftist that if you have, it's because you made something wrong. No, you actually have the blessings of God. And when you try to explain why you're so blessed, you can't because the only thing you can explain is the grace and the favor of God upon my life. I have no excuse, no intelligence. I don't have enough creativity. But I know one thing. God has blessed me. So don't feel condemned, ashamed to be greatly blessed. But pay attention. Romans 4.13 again. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring... That will be the heir of the world. Did not come through the law. But through the righteousness of faith. Don't miss this point. Don't miss the point that the, the, the place where these realities come take place. Is the righteousness of faith. That means that if the world is our inheritance. We have access to nobility. To the prime of what the world can give. We have access to culture, education, access to the right people and resources. And it's very important that you see that. Because you are not here begging alms as a homeless people. We're not here in this world trying to survive and be out of the, the shores just to breathe. No, 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 no. We understand that we're so blessed. That we can become a blessing. Look, don't come with this conversation to tell me, Pastor, you know, you know my situation. You know, if I had more, I'll give more. So ask more to give more. Because that's the question. In that sense, you are right that only those that are blessed can be a blessing. And we should give always more because God has given us more. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Abraham was very rich. That's our first character. I want to talk about it. Abraham, a very rich man. But the Bible brings us other rich people. And one of them is very known by most of us. His name is Zacchaeus. Is Luke chapter 19 and Matthew as well in the uh, Synoptic Gospel. We see his story there. But Zacchaeus is a true son of Abraham. And let me tell you why. Because Zacchaeus is this character that is remembering the Bible as a tax collector. 
Now, I don't know if you get this image, but tax collector was a set-apart category of sinners, which means that Jesus and the Gospels will uh, talk about sinners in general, and there are only two categories that was different from all the sinners. You guys remember which one, right? Which was prostitutes and tax collectors. So imagine yourself being in part of this, not only just the general sinners, okay? You are a tax collector. But to get even worse, he was a chief of tax collectors. He was the boss of tax collectors. So you can imagine what this man was involved in the past. You can imagine all corruptions, all the bribes, all the bad things he had actually authorized and just had a blind eye for because he was part of the mob. He was part of the gang. He had a lot under his sleeves in the past until one day he met the grace in person. Until one day he got that desire to know Jesus, to see as a good son of Abraham. He remembered his identity, which, which is the paradox of his name. While he was a tax collector, maybe you don't know that, but the original meaning of Zacchaeus is pure. That's his name, pure. He was a pure man. And it's interesting because Jesus, when he was walking by, and Zacchaeus is in this sycamore, this small tree, this wild fig tree, climbing to see Jesus because he wants to see something different. He hears about Jesus, but he never saw anything good before. And now he looks to this grace incarnated. Jesus Christ, and Jesus did not call him, you crazy, wicked tax collector. You, the, mob, the, the chief of the mob. No, Jesus called him, you, Zacchaeus. Come down. Hurry. Come down. Luke chapter 19, verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, remember that Jesus never, never walked in a hurry. Jesus never had a rush, never was in the uh, delay for anything. But this time, he said to Zacchaeus, hurry. You know why? Because when it's time for salvation, God is always at haste. God is always ready. He's always saying, hurry. Now is the time, 2 Corinthians 6, for he says, in the favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now, everybody says now. Yeah. Say to your neighbor, say now. Yeah. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not one day, not in the Christmas. Now is the day of salvation. Hurry, Zacchaeus. Hurry, I'm calling you back to what you are meant to be. There is more. Jesus called him down. Because maybe you didn't know that, but the way of salvation is always down. It's always humility. It's always to the point where you have to receive. And you have to be completely aware that you have received. Receive this blessed family. Receive this opportunity. Receive your salvation. You receive. You are blessed. You didn't conquer. You didn't achieve. You are simply blessed. James 4, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives more grace to the humble. 
come down. Hurry, come down. Stop with these excuses. Stop like last week, a lot of people saw the baptism and they were excusing their minds. Maybe one day. Stop with that. Hurry, come down. There is salvation available for you now, for your family, for your business, for your soul. Luke 19, 6. So he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I know. Jesus could be in any other people's house, but he chose the chief of the tax collectors. So once and for all, learn that for good. Your sin is not a problem for God. Stop with this excuse in your mind. Maybe if I fix this and that, then stop with this equation. We're never going to have a good result. Your sin is not a problem for the Lord. Actually, the Lord was the one that was seeking Zacchaeus. Yeah, the story starts with Zacchaeus seeking for Jesus. But we know, this is, this is Luke chapter 19, 3. And Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's the, the beginning of the story. But if you go to the end of the story, the Bible tells us something else. It says in verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You thought you came seeking, but the Lord was already appointing this time for you. So it's very important that we stop with these excuses aside and move forward. Because the way that Jesus compliments Zacchaeus is pretty interesting. He says, this is a real son of Abraham. Luke 19 verse 8. And Zacchaeus' students said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I Restore it fourfold. It doesn't seem like a tax collector, corrupt, stingy, penny pinging, 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 pinching, stingy, just selfish. It doesn't seem to be the same. And what did happen here? And Jesus said to him, verse 9, today, today salvation has come to his house. Since he is also, what? A son of Abraham. Now look the brand. Look the, the quality of a son of Abraham. He is really blessed. And now he can be a blessing. If you don't get this right, you're going to think that we are begging for your support. Because you think you are not as blessed as you need to be to be a blessing. But you are Abraham's offspring. We are Abraham's offspring. Now, the previous chapter of Luke brings another rich man. We talk about the first one, Abraham himself, a very rich man. The second one, this uh, tax collector, extremely rich, but a son of Abraham. But there's a previous chapter in Luke, Luke chapter 18, speaks about another rich man. He's known in other uh, gospels as the young rich ruler. He was also a ruler. He was also a, a chief of something. We don't know what, what kind of businesses he managed. But maybe he was a lawyer. We don't know. 
Maybe he had like a company that sells uh, goods. We don't know. But he was rich and he was a ruler. He was a boss of something. Verse 18, Luke 18, verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is giving this man a hint, just saying, don't you know that no one is good? Are, are you aware of yourself, boy, that you cannot be good on your, by yourself? Like, don't, don't try this game with me. Like, don't try to sell your, your uh, profile to me. You're not going to stick on me. There's no one good. Did you get that? But it seems that he was so blind on his pride and self-conscience that he couldn't see that. Verse 20. And he insists. But how can I be saved? And Jesus says, do you obey? Do you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father in your mother. Now, Jesus did not say that the obedience to the commandments can save that man or save anyone. But Jesus was trying to show that in the basics, like try to not lie. Try to really esteem your parents always. Try to really not have this um, desire over other people's belongs, belongings. And you're going to see that you will fail. Jesus was simply dealing with this man in the same level that he could understand. Jesus was waiting to listen. Lord, if it is a matter of obedience of the law, I do not qualify myself. I need another way. Is there any other way? But unfortunately, this boy did not respond that. We know the answer. Verse 21. He dared to say, all this I have kept from my youth. Really, boy? Really? You're so blind to yourself? Like, you, you just made a false witness right now, right? It's just like First John says, like, if you say that you do not lie, you are lying. Like, are you serious? How can you not see yourself? If it was me... I'm just going to turn my back and move, a, move away from this very cocky, haughty, proud boy. But Jesus is grace. And he goes to the second, third, fourth mile if needing. Jesus gives you the second, third, whatever chance you need. And he gives giving this man another chance. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, So... One thing you lack. Really, one thing. We know it wasn't only one thing. But Jesus says, let's try just one thing then. Just one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Now, we know that salvation has nothing to do with selling all that you have. If salvation depended on giving away our assets and belongings who could be saved but Jesus was making a point if you think 
you have done all, then there is always one thing you lack. In that case, that man that seemed to be a devout, godly man, he was actually a worshiper of Maimon. He was a devout man to money. And he used to kneel to the sovereignty and lordship of money. Money was not an object, an instrument, a resource, a tool to be used. But now money became the Lord, the Savior, the provider for that man. And Jesus proved that. Jesus exposed that. We know the rest of the story. When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. The man turned his back to Jesus and moved away. The man said to himself, I am good, and I obey the law. I am good religious man. I am obedient. I am faithful. But this very man left Jesus and did not give a single offering, a single expression of his assets. He could not give a thing. Why? Because he was not a son of Abraham. What a difference of Zacchaeus in this rich young ruler. Now, let, let me go back to the main character, Abraham. Luke 19, verse 8. Zacchaeus... His students said, Lord, half of my goods I give, and if I have defrauded, I will restore. John 12, 3, Mary, after being showered with the grace of Jesus, now tried to express what grace meant for her. So she took a pound of expensive ointment, about one year of salary. And she made that a cleaning product for Jesus' feet. She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Which brings the principle, stingy people do not enter the kingdom. Why, pastor? Why they do not enjoy the reality of the kingdom? Why stingy people? cannot build up a legacy for the next generation. Why stingy people, selfish people, cannot enter the reality of the kingdom? Luke 18, 24, Jesus closing that interaction with the young rich man said, how difficult, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What that means? It means that uh, there are many explanations for the eye of a needle. You can literally think of the impossible way to put a camel through the little tiny hole on a needle. But some other scholars believe, and I personally agree with them, that the eye of the needle was that small little hole on the walls of uh, protected or walled cities that was always left open for night journeyers or sojourners. 
So these were talking about people that came late into the city and the gate was closed and they need some entries. So the city has these small little gaps, tiny one enough just to pass a one person at a time in, in, in kneeling, in a crouching state or crouching uh, physical move to get into that gap. The idea is that the wall will be still protected against an entire army trying to invade in the middle of the night. And they could go through, they could not go through the eye of the needle in the wall. But we know what we're talking about. We're talking on a rich man with dozens of camels full of money and belongings. And he think with himself, should I enter or should I not enter? Should I leave behind my assets? Or should I go into the kingdom? You know what? It's better I stay with my camels and my belongings. Because I'd rather stay with my belongings than actually going through the eye of the needle and enter the kingdom. Do you guys got the picture? How many people are so stingy with the lack of vision for the kingdom that makes that penny-pinching people stay out of the reality of the kingdom of God? They have to stay with their camels, with their provisions, because they trust more that than the king in the kingdom. The conflict of Abraham is still on. Abraham fought a fight that was not his. He got into a battle that his nephew got himself involved. And after delivering his nephew with only 318 peasants, and he now was coming back to his hometown, his place, Canaan, and he passed by this beginning of a city, this village that is called Salem, later on called as Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and this city of Shalom, Jerusalem as well, this city of peace had a king. A very unique king, very weird. He shows up out of nowhere. He was a king and his name could not be translated. But the way scholars found to translate is just connecting his name in different words. Let's go to the story. Genesis 14. After his return from the defeat of Keteloomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And notice verse 18 is in the same paragraph. It's almost like this, uh, 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 this parenthesis, but in a narrative that is following up to describe the interaction between Abraham, the man of faith, the man of success, the man of prosperity, and this weird king of Sodom. We know Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed later on because of the wickedness and sexual immorality. And we have this king of Sodom coming defeated to meet this man of God, this man of faith. And while the narrative is bringing up this first interaction of king of Sodom representing the devil, we have this interlude. This breaking in the narrative, suddenly, verse 18, Melchizedek. What? Who is this guy? He is only described as the king of, oh, I remember the name of the city, Salem, the city of peace. 
he was the king of that city. But the, the, the description of this Melchizedek keeps going, says that he brought out bread and wine. Interesting. I know another person, another king of peace that brought us bread and wine. And also, I know what he means, his name, Melchizedek, scholars divided the name, Melech and Zedek, which means he is the king of righteousness. So he's the king of the city of peace. He's the king of righteousness. And I remember also Romans chapter 4, that the sons of Abraham are those that stand in the righteousness, king of righteousness, of faith. So the king of righteousness that reigns over the city of peace brings bread and wine. As the scholars debate for thousands of years who could be this mysterious man. But Psalm 110 and then Hebrews chapter 7 clearly tells us that he was Jesus himself. A kind of Christophany. A manifestation of Jesus before the New Testament. Theology apart. He came... And blessed Abraham, verse 19, and said to Abraham, Blessed be Abraham, or Abraham, by God Most High, El Elohim, God Most High. He can be blessed, Abraham. Abraham, you can be blessed because the God you serve is the God that possesses heaven and earth. Your God is not a stingy God, is not a, is not a jealous God, is not like this pagan, uh, uh, ancient, crazy, temperament, full of tendrum gods, lower G out there. Your God possesses heaven and earth. And blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. I love that. Abraham was totally conscious. I am really blessed. And the source of my blessings is God El Elyon. Possessor of heaven and earth. He is the God most high. And the result of these blessings in Abraham is an attitude. We saw that attitude in one of the sons of Abraham. Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus, a son of Abraham, also met Melchizedek, the prince of Salem, the king of righteousness. He couldn't resist. After being blessed by Melchizedek, Zacchaeus and Abraham had the same attitude. Verse 21. Oh, verse 20. And Abraham gave. Abraham gave. I know the 10th is one of the things that people got attached to. But the most important thing is that Abraham gave. Zacchaeus gave. Mary gave. I gave. My life is here. My family is here. Like literally, it's here. How many sons of Abraham do we have in this house? Without sons of Abraham, how we expect to enjoy the blessings? Now, they start in the end. I'm almost closing. Are you guys with me? Can you guys give me a few more minutes? Because the, the, 
the fight, the, the conflict is still on today. Remember that the original narrative was the in interaction between Abraham and who? King of Sodom. The weirdo. That, that defeated crazy dude, king of Sodom. That clearly represents Satan. Represents the devil. So the narrative continued. And this is how the story keeps going. The Bible tells us we are in Genesis chapter 14. I'm saying about that, but I didn't send the guys and even put it in my notes. Verse 23. Um, 21. 21. Genesis 14, 21. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham. You see, it's very crazy. Like when you have old-fashioned paper version Bibles, you can clearly see that. Like, there is no, like, parenthesis. It's a one single narrative. So, the original narrative was Abraham and king of Sodom. Melchizedek shows up, shows who or what. The one that is the resource, the supply, the, 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 provi the provider. The one that is the source of Abraham's blessing. Abraham got that. Now, verse 21 keeps the narrative. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Satan is saying, give me the persons, but keep the goods. Give me your family. Give me the foster kids of Southwest Florida. Just, just give me the persons. I don't care for things I care for souls and the devil still bargaining today I don't know if you guys get this but what is at stake here is people persons souls broken families lost kids look I don't know about you but I have this uh, this clearing sight I don't know if I could say that but I'll say anyways so, I really believe that we are living the end days, the last days. And it's time still for us as a church to acquire as much we can possible do and acquire lands, schools, movie theaters, stadiums, gymnasiums. Because believe me, mark my words. We won't be able to speak freely about Jesus in the streets anymore. You know that kind of conversation that Christians talk in, in Starbucks? We're going to be invited to leave the place if we talk about Jesus there. So we need coffee shops that can freely speak about it. I'm, I'm telling you, Mark, this is not a long future, guys. This is not a long future. Okay. Let's go back. The conflict's still on. We're going to go and surrender the persons because we want to keep the belongings, the goods. Or we're going to glorify and give to Melchizedek, the one that first blessed us. Now, I want to close this message. I don't know, Pastor Tulio, did you organize for me? Is all organized? Please. 
distributed the elements. You guys all can stand up. And as an act of living this word in a very practical way, we decided to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. We're going to celebrate again next week. That's okay. Please take one of the elements in your hand. Don't eat yet. Don't drink. Just hold it. And that's how I'm going to close my message. That's how I'm going to make this appeal, this moment of devotion with you. Just get the elements in your hand. Don't get distracted. Keep listening to my voice. The Bible says that Melchizedek brought bread and wine and reminded Abraham that he was really blessed. But the source of his blessings is what it mattered. You are blessed, Abraham. Because God knows high. God, El Helion, fights your fights. Fights your battles. You are blessed, Abraham. Because God, El Helion, possessor of heaven and earth. It's blessing you. It's over blessing you. It's overflowing blessings upon you. Abraham took the elements. Come on, you can get the elements right now. Unwrap the cracker, the little bread, carefully unpeel the cup. And the Bible says that when Abraham realized that he was not worthy, he was not worth of be together to interact with such an amazing priest with this amazing king of righteousness with this amazing king of peace the Bible says that Abraham could not resist but surrendered all. 